Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Ralph Graves. Thank you for tuning in to the Ralph Graves Jr. podcast uh, video. Thanks for being part of the radio show. And tonight's guest is none other than my friend, no stranger to the Ralph Graves Jr. show. I probably should make him co-host, Dr. Rocco Cater. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. My friend is here. Happy and- to be here. And it's it's uh, we're doing this late at night, and I see, man, you're still in the office, man. What dedication! What- you know, you got to you got to stir all the fires, man. It's not just one thing we're doing. We're we're keeping active, doing several things. Yeah, yeah. and uh, feeding things at night too. Right, right. Well, man, I just want to talk to you, man, and and get you on the show, man, and, and just really help us process this. It's probably the hardest time, man, that our generation, well, anybody living today has gone through. I mean, we've never gone through anything like this. And I, mm. I love calling you and, and chopping it up with you because you are a, you're a doctor on the front lines, you're a family practice doctor, and um, you're doing some great things, man. And you're, you're in it day in and day out, man. And so, so tell me, what do you see right, right about now? They talked about the, the, the flattening of the curve. Have, has the curve flattened at all? What do you, think? you know, what's, in, what's interesting is, um, you know, we're still in that, that first wave. And uh, I, I believe the curve was flattened. Absolutely. You know, uh, part of the point of what we are trying to do with the, what they're calling mitigation and keeping everybody locked down is just to try to contain the speed at which this curve went up so that really, sure. so that the hospitals and doctors could contain or at least give everybody the, the proper care and not have to turn away. Um, care and you know some of the uh, stuff coming over, say, say from Italy, was you know we had we, we had to choose who was getting a ventilator and and people wow. who were younger were getting it because the older people were had a good life and so I think part of the <laughs> it, yeah part of the hysteria, that's what they said the older people had a good life that's it that's just a wrap that's it you know like like you have it's it's military triage if you have ten people who need to be saved and you got one surgeon who can do that surgery, you're going to have to pick pick the guy who's going to have the best uh, chance. So anyway, I think that was part of the hysteria. Even in medicine, it was like, yeah. we don't have enough ventilators. We don't have enough hospital staff. All the doctors right. and nurses are going to get sick. Right. And the joke was uh, the psychiatrist was going to have to be intubating you because the ER docs and the ICU docs were all going to be sick. So well, thank God that, that didn't happen. Thank God that didn't happen. Yeah. Part of that hysteria was we got to just lock it down so that it's coming. Right. And you see that same curve at every country. It's the same curve. Yeah. And the point there was to just try to allow not so many people to get sick at all at one time so that we weren't turning people away at the ER not sure what to do. So mm-hmm. I think we succeeded in that. I mean, looking at the numbers, um, you know, the curve was flattened. So that trajectory wasn't exponential. I mean, it was very close to exponential, but. Uh, exponential and it kind of topped off. So I think I think they achieved what they said they wanted to do, but right, this right. thing's not gone, man. No, um, no, you know, yeah, we're just yeah. getting more used to it, which is good. It's good and bad, you know. We're, we're we're a little more comfortable with the virus and what we can get away with, what gear we should wear, masks yeah, versus yeah. you know hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer and stuff. So you know, we're out there doing it. But I think I think yeah. the plan was a success, and other countries okay. are seeing the same thing. You know. Well, how, how how much like from a preventative stuff point of view, right? How how much do our own how much do vitamins and minerals and how does that 
how much of how much of that really helps us in preventing us from getting? You know, we we've got this great mysterious. Oh, we don't know how you're going to get it. You know, how does how does how does our own health and our vitamins? How does that play a part? In that well, you know. In medicine, it's tough to, in, in I'll say mainstream medicine or streamline uh-huh. in this medicine advice, it's tough to say, take a multivitamin, that's going to serve you well. In medicine, generally speaking, when patients see me in internal medicine, they say, doc, should I take a multivitamin? And the truth is, maybe, you know, um, <laughs> the, rea- the, the reality is if you eat a decent you know, meal, you have a good variety, you got fruits, vegetables and stuff. Right. Um, and uh, maybe you take some vitamins. The idea is you're going to get enough supplements in general in different foods, food groups, that's going to give you enough of those vitamins that you don't really need a multivitamin. But that, However, sa- that sounds good. But most yeah. Americans don't eat those meals. Correct. Like right. So, so the expert opinion is this is hard to prove on paper. There's nobody doing formal studies to say these people who take multivitamins and these people who don't, they get less cancer, they get less heart disease. So we can't prove that on paper. So the expert opinion is that it's not harmful to take uh, like multivitamins and such, uh, but it's probably helpful. Um, But when it comes to specifically the immune system fighting the coronavirus, fighting the flu, any infections, um, what kind of vitamins and supplements uh, can be helpful to really support the immune system and that's the question if you're uh not in shape and you're overweight so what are they? Just don't exercise what are they what are they so listen vitamin c has long been known to boost our immune system the right. antioxidant power of vitamin c uh, alone is what helps zinc is another one you see these things out in the in the uh in the pharmacies emergency or airborne right. these things have some herbal supplements but also heavy doses of vitamin c zinc. Um, these things are very helpful in immune system support. So if you're lacking these, uh, it could make your immune system a little bit weaker. So pushing these doses can just kind of bolster your, your immune yeah. system and just give it a little extra boost so that if it needs to come across fighting some stuff, including the coronavirus, um, it could help. You know, it's, it's hard for me as a doctor to say, really, take vitamin C. There's evidence that this helps <laughs> beat coronavirus. Right. I can't say it, but right. we all have some common knowledge and some common understanding with herbs and supplements that some are immune system supporting. And that's where I would say with, with the pandemic, uh, with flu season, uh, fall and winter time, a lot of people go ahead and grab and I'm, I'm guilty as charged. You know, I'll get my kids those little gummy airborns that they cost an arm and a leg. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. no, just have two, not three. We got to make these things last. <laughs> so, um, because that's like 30 bucks for one of these yeah, like, uh, sure, family sure. of five over here. But, right. you know, I, I take that stuff. You know why? Because I think it, it does help. Um, and it's certainly not going to hurt us. Um, and I probably don't get enough vitamin C in my diet anyway, especially in the winter months with maybe the fruit is, isn't as robust or isn't as right. available or it's not locally yeah. grown. So, so vitamin C, zinc, you know, and then we got all of our B vitamins, um, B complex, all these things are helpful and utilized in many areas in our body, including our immune system. Okay. Um, things work, inter, you know, they intermingle. So it's not like vitamin C just helps our immune system. You know, it helps other things in our body. Uh, so does B-complex. These things are used throughout our body in different mechanisms with turning over cells and building yeah. immune systems and uh, building new cells and breaking down cells. And So yeah. 
vitamin C and zinc, man, is, is the way to go uh, with this. And even with the coronavirus, uh, in the very beginning, they were uh, talking about using high-dose vitamin C, uh, mm-hmm. stuff that you really can't get. I mean, we have the IV business, and we do some right. higher doses of vitamin C. But yeah. the point is, the vitamin C was one of the only treatments being utilized. Um, now, this was reports from China, so you know I'm yeah. a little... Yeah. I'm a little nervous to give that evidence, but but it is something that was utilized. And I'll tell you this: in the uh, in the U.S. in ICUs, when patients are what's called septic, which means okay. they have a bacterial infection in their blood, they use high dose vitamin C in the ICUs. This is evidence based medicine. So when a patient is getting killed, man, with with overwhelming amounts of infection. Mm-hmm. It's not the antibiotic. It's not anything else. It's not the fluids. It's high-dose vitamin C is used in, in a lot of sepsis protocols in the wow. ICUs. Wow. So that's something that is evidence-based. Wow. But we're not – you know, we're trying to just boost our immune system here. But I'm just saying that vitamin yeah. C by itself has a lot of good evidence with it. And then zinc is another one, uh, especially during cold and flu season, that a lot of natural remedies would utilize. So that's, that's the key there. And let me know if, if this is true or not. You know, I'm – I heard that um, because we're, our, our focus so much is on the coronavirus, COVID-19, that um, the number one killer is still heart disease. Am I right? Still. There's still one, one out of three people, man. One still, out of three still people heart, heart disease. disease. And that heart now disease. Some, some folks are dying needlessly or dying because of lack of uh, care because healthcare professionals are so focused on it. Is that true? So focused on COVID? Well, so it's not even that uh, the healthcare professional is focused on COVID. It's that the patient doesn't want to come in. I've had so many patients say, doc, I'm not going to the emergency room. I'll take the thumbs for that, you know, indigestion. That's actually yeah. heart disease. <laughs> A lot of people are avoiding the emergency room, especially the sick people, especially people who have diabetes, heart disease, and they're like, you know, I got some chest pain, but I don't want to go to the ER because I'm going to get coronavirus. So, so should hospitals change their patients. policy? Well, should their they? policy is come on in. You know, right now we had a period in the outpatient world, we had a period where we were doing telehealth, kind of like we're, we're talking now. This is how we would do our, our uh, consult in the office. Now we got everybody back in the office. We're doing occasional this, but everybody's back in the office. Emergency rooms, I don't believe whatever wherever shut down. They were just, you know, saying, you know, we're going to send you over here if you have potential COVID and we're going to send you over here. And uh, doctors were a little bit hands off in the sense of you might I've heard stories from a lot of patients. You might go into a room in the ER and the doctor may call you on the phone and, hey, you pick up the phone, you know, and uh, say, so what's going on? They're really trying to avoid exposure. But at no time, to my knowledge, were hospitals not taking care of patients. But, but would you, when I say change policy, right? I mean, I don't know if I would want to go to the hospital knowing that not even my wife can come see me. Yeah. Like, I'd rather well, just die. I'd rather just die at home. Listen, it was very, it's been very tragic uh, from, the, from the nursing staff to yeah. the patients to the family, more so obviously to the family that people were dying and sorry, we can't let you come in because we don't have enough gowns. We can't give you a mask because we don't have a mask. So that part was, um, you're right. So maybe you're saying policy is yeah, visitor policy. With, with that policy. Yeah, that, visitor you know? policy. I think that's gotten a lot better. I'll tell you what, um, you know, 
I worked for Cooper Hospital. Cooper Hospital has done a fantastic job with PPE. Right. Um, I think in South Jersey, they were definitely the best ranked as far as they had the gear. There's a small little time frame where they, they might not have had enough and stuff. But the general rule has been policies for, for visitors. But, but see, that's where the people are, are, are not going to the hospital voluntarily. Like, I have a major issue. But you know what? I'm just going to, like, let this ride because yeah. I don't want to go get COVID. So a lot of patients really were avoiding even my office. Either if they'd rather call, they'd rather call something in. So you have all these patients who always come to the ER with chest pain and they're having a heart attack. Right. And heart disease, they need a catheterization, they need yeah. a bypass surgery, and they legit don't come to the ER because they're wow. afraid and wow. they don't know what to expect. Um, and so I've seen a lot of, I uh, heard a lot of patients come to see me, you know, later talking about other people who went to the ER yeah. and how they were treated. And they were treated respectfully, but hands offish, you know, like yeah. the, the doctor was in there for like 10 seconds and so, sometimes so what, it happens anyway. So, and so, so what do we do? I mean, I, I mean, I, I know you don't know the answer, but, but yeah. maybe next time when this occurs, cause there's always going to be a next time. This is the world we live in. Um, whether it's 20 years, 40 years, 50 years, I'm sure some things have to put in place to um, make sure that does happen, you know, and, I don't know. It's just crazy, man. Because I honestly, I don't know if I'd go to the hospital today. And it's not because of, of fear of COVID nineteen. I, I just know that once I'm there, if they keep me, I'm by myself. You might be by yourself, but if you need to stay, that means you have a life threatening thing, man. So a lot of people might be thinking that same thing. You know, right. I'm a little dizzy. Maybe it's a stroke. Um, well, I'll sleep it off instead of going to the ER. Yeah. And so you're going to get a <laughs> lot more people. A lot more people are going to be uh, hurting themselves in a sense because they want to avoid. And for the same reason, I don't want to not be able to have my power of attorney or my, my loved one. And even at Cooper, at our outpatient office, you know, if there's a good reason, you got to come in with your wife because whatever reason, you can come in. You know, you got your own mask now. Uh, right now, all we, re- all we require is just a face mask. But that, um, that's and- at your office. That's not at the hospital. Yeah, well, at the hospital, same thing. You know, if you go into the ER, um, and now this is ER dependent, right? You know, I'm talking about Cooper um, right. only because what I know. But you can come in, especially if it's a situation where, you know, you have to speak on behalf of a loved one. Uh, someone right. had a stroke. They're not speaking. They have dementia. They, you, you need right. to be there. That's okay. There are exceptions to the rule in that case. Right. but. Right. You know, when you want mom and, and you, you know, my dad goes to the hospital and we all want to visit. So there's eight people in a, in a room that can't, <laughs> yeah, that can't happen. Yeah. But, and it, and it does affect, it does affect the patient and it does affect it does. the quality of care. Um, and it affected, it almost feels like something's wrong. Like, why aren't you letting my family in? Um, and unfortunately it was a matter of protective equipment and, right. and having too many people in a closed space because of, exposure to the nurse, the doctor, the staff, the patient, the, the, the guest. Um, and so one way we can prepare for that is having enough protective equipment. And that's one big lesson that I think we learned. Um, but nobody really could have predicted the amount. I mean, this was January. We're like, oh, this looks kind of serious. March, we're locking down the country. So right. in those two months, the entire world was taking all the PPE they could get from 3M and from Purell and gloves and gowns and so we had the nice position of observation for a few months to see right. how people were treating the coronavirus and pitfalls and ventilators and 
trying right. to mentally prepare, but they all been taking that PPE all that time. Wow. And listen, a lot of that PPE comes out of China. So I don't know what they were letting loose or not, but by the time it comes to us, now we're hitting the panic button to order as much PPE as we I want. Just, and I we just got get, some, we can't uh, get it. I just got some masks from China, right? Let me tell you a funny yeah. story. I got the, um, you know, the real fancy, the neoprene with the vendor. Oh, yeah, with the little valves on them. Valves and those, right? And they got, of course, it took forever to get here. It was six weeks to get here from China. <laughs> and, and so I get them, and it's all good. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm going to tell you how crazy I, I, my mind is. All of a sudden, I said to myself, they came from China. Did this virus come from China? What if they sprayed these down? This this thing is laced with corona. This is laced with corona. I'm strapping it on my I face. Know, man. I know. <laughs> I know. It's the reality, but we we really have allowed China, and I don't know the business stuff, but China right. is making this stuff cheaper. And yeah, when it, yeah, it's yeah. a shame, really, when the, when the country is cheaper to send out particles and materials, get it built by another country, and then pay all the export and import, right. and it's still cheaper than yeah. having the guy down the street build your, your stuff. Yeah. So hopefully that changes down the road, right? But um, yeah, it's tough. I think the PPE was the biggest thing and then a little bit of the unknown and right. uh, how is this transmitting asymptomatic. And it's been kind of scary. I'll tell you what, uh, I think I mentioned on your show one time, it's like, you know, for the first time, I feel a little bit like a police officer, you know? Yeah. You put that vest yeah. on, it's like, I'm going into work and right. I'm not sure what's going to happen. And it could be dangerous. Right. And that's a scary thought, man. Yeah. <clears throat> that's a scary yes. thought. So, but knowing that you have the proper gear for the battle is paramount, you know, for us on the front line, it's like, you have to go and prepare. We have masks, we have face shields if we need them. We have isolation gowns. We got plenty of gloves and hand sanitizer. Yeah. I think yeah. it's easier to do your job when that stuff is intact. Um, well, I know you and, and your officer are, are doing a wonderful job, man, and, and I salute you for what you do. But let's talk about Rocco Cato. Let's talk, uh, enough of the, enough of the, the right. pandemic. I, you know, I don't want anybody to tune out, man, but let's talk about <laughs> you and your journey, man, and, and, and you know, some of the things that, that – let, let me ask you, man, because lives are full of ups and downs, highs and lows, and I, want, I just want to share with my listeners and viewers, man, how, how have you handled – setbacks or failures in your life? If you had a, a failure or a setback, how did you handle Because this is going to help somebody. So kind of share with them. You and, know, and it's, it's, a, it's a good question. You know, uh, when you're in the midst of a failure or a setback, you may not even realize it until you're like, oh man, you know, I shouldn't have done that or this was a bad decision. Right. And, you know, I can't help but bring, you know, I can't help but bring God into this. You know, it's yeah. when, when I have a setback or if it's a failure or it's just a, it wasn't the right decision. I, I always have this thought like throughout life um, that this happened for a reason, Rock. You know, you got to figure this out. You got to sit down and you got to <laughs> figure out what are you going to do to get out of this? If, yeah. if it's something to get out of, if it's a bad financial thing, if it's right. a relationship problem, whatever sure. it was. Sure. Um, and dealing with that setback is not not letting it take you over. I mean, I think yeah. in some cases, depending on how bad the setback or mistake or, or problem was, right. uh, if you got in trouble with the law or something, but um, given it a, a, a time for it to, to kind of be in that um, upset, <clears throat> but um, you know, putting your boots on, man, and pulling up your bootstraps and saying, sure. all right, man, don't let this take you over. How do I get out of this? Um, 
And in situations, it, it, what is it writing down a plan? Is it uh, praying about it? Is it seeking advice from people who know what they're, you know, people who are wise, like either parents or yeah. close friends or, yeah. or business people or, or colleagues and, um, you know, setbacks for me. I'll tell you one great, great setback for me, a classic example. I didn't get into med school right away, man. Right. You know, right. <clears throat> when I got, when I got out of, uh, undergrad, actually, before you go into undergrad, you apply to medical school because it's graduate. Yeah. You know, it was a big setback for me. I applied though. I applied too late to college. Uh, to med school. I applied in January to get in in July. I didn't know you're supposed to apply in July to get in July and you're supposed to interview in December. So man, when I did, I had medical schools turning back, handing back my checks. Like, yeah, we're not even going to cash a check. Sorry. We already filled our class. I was like, wait a minute. I want to be a doctor my whole life here. I am a senior in college with a three point, whatever (laughs) GPA. I did good. And, uh, Rock ain't going to med school. And it was devastating to think yeah. that yeah. here, it's, maybe it was embarrassing. I don't know. I was just like, well, why aren't I going to med school? What did you do wrong? Right. And so instead of saying, I'm going to just go be a biology major and work in a lab, I said, nope. What are you going to do, brother? You're going to get yeah. yourself up. You're going to figure out what does it take to get into med school? And yeah. so what I did was did some little bit of research. This is kind of before the internet was was real big, but 1993 or sorry 1997 <laughs> you know the internet and we're doing things but right. you know what i did was i met with the deans of colleges i uh, emailed uh people like uh, and i met with actually dean wallace actually umd and jet okay, okay you know i sat with him because i want to go to Jer- new jersey umd and jet i said i said i got a hold of him and i made an appointment and i said hey you know in a nice way i'm like listen here i am right. nervous guy right. what, do, what do i have to do to get into college right. what do i have to do to get an interview right. to for college. And so that for me was a step that nobody really told me to do. Wow. And I thought I got to speak to the people in charge who are making decisions in order for me to get into this school. So I, I sat with him. He's a real, real pleasant guy. He was very informative. He said, listen, take some advanced level biochem, advanced level graduate courses in your undergrad, um, reapply earlier. And then, you know, let's go from there. You know, maybe retake your MCATs. That's the medical college right. admission test. My, right. my scores were good, but you know, you could always make them better. Right. So anyway, I followed his advice. But the point of me getting out of that was not, you know, the saying, I guess I'm not going to be a doctor. Right. I, I couldn't get into med school. I didn't follow the exact path that everybody should be following. And um, I couldn't see being anything else, man. Yeah. I wanted to be a doctor. I said, well, what do I have to do? So then I went to the local ERs and volunteered and got that's something. Let, let me pause you right there. You said something, yeah. and which is important, and I, I want to touch on that while we have time. You didn't follow the path that everybody else was following, and I think that's so important for for people to understand. Yeah. We we think that there's only one way. We think that there's only one path to becoming who we want to become. And you decided, well, I can't go that route. I got to go a different route. And and you stayed hungry. And I guess my next question is, what do you do now to stay hungry? I mean, you've, you've, uh, you're accomplished. You've been out there, what, 15, 16, almost 17 years. How does Dr. Rocco Caving stay hungry now that he's achieved and he's arrived being a doctor for almost 20 years now? How do you stay hungry? Well, I think the thing is, you know, our, our life goals, um, are the carrot, you know what I mean? Before a stick, yeah. you know, we talked about a, a sweet spot. How do you land in your sweet spot? 
and that sweet spot changes, you know, and right, for right. me practicing this long, a couple of things start to happen. It happens in your career. Everybody's career. You start to, you know, all the, what's going to happen. Like in medicine, I, I I'm sure. not surprised when anything comes through. I have the wisdom to, to experience it, but there gets to a point where you just get, you're starting to get a little crispy, a little burned out. Don't care yeah. as much. Yeah. Not me. You see my passion, but right. the point is for the, for the time I'm working for the man, you know, I'm right. working for right. a big business. And for me, I now am in, what are you going to do to retire, man? Right. What are you going to do? What's the end point of your career sure. or is there an end point? Are you going to rock till you drop or sure. are you going to stop doing, you know, aggressive business of medicine and, and get into consulting or teaching right. or right. some other area of medicine? So right. um, what, what keeps me going, man, what keeps me hungry is, you know, looking forward to not retiring when I'm 75 years old. I want to retire yeah. younger. Right. Um, that's not going to happen on its own. So my hunger is I need to get my kids through college. I need to retire when I can, you know, I need to retire, um, you know, when, uh, it's not traditional. Like I don't want to wait till I'm 75 or 65, 75. I want to have things in place. And what if my retirement doesn't work out? Yeah. What if the market crashes and I'm ready to rock and roll and I can't, you know, because of that. So that's what keeps me hungry. So creating business ideas, in, in my world, creating different forms of cash flow um, so that I'm not so dependent on my job and my career to solely pay for my mortgage and things I love. Um, you got to have a couple little things come in a different direction, fill in the, fill in the, the bank account or the retirement fund right, right. so that I'm not so dependent on my, my one job. You know, we have to have multiple income streams, something I was never taught, you know, growing up. Yeah. We were just, I have my little Columbia Savings passport book whatever that thing was um and uh that was my that was my savings but when you get yeah. to college i'm in so much debt anyway so i don't want my kids to suffer with college debt as much and um so yeah. what keeps me hungry man is yeah. is working towards that end game um right. i want to put my feet up and sit at the beach at maybe a beach house or travel the world and visit right. europe and asia yeah. um and not be so dependent on working for for someone else to pay my bills yeah. for the rest of my life um now, you know now, so. talk, talk about um it's a beautiful segue because you know i was going there we know you're a, a, a phenomenal top-notch doctor uh one of the region's best but you said another stream of income now i don't want anybody to think that he's working down at the local um uh, Delhi, Wawa. <laughs> Talk to us, man, about Revive Hydration. Tell, tell, tell the world about Revive Hydration and what led you to get into that particular field. I, I listen. I, you see, you guys see me every week, so I'm I'm sold. Yeah. Yes, I'm sold. I mean you feel the difference. So yes, I do. Revive Revive IV Hydration um, is something that came up a couple of years ago. And uh, this is something that's been out in the country for, for a number of years, five, six, seven years, Vegas, California. And the idea here is that you can get IV fluids, which right. uh, by itself is very beneficial. Most of us run a little dehydrated. But you can also get high-potency IV dose vitamins yes. infused into that IV to get, get that high-potency. Yeah, that high-potency. So we get yeah. vitamin C, B-complex, magnesium, glutathione. Um, B12, yeah. vitamin D, um, and all these things at a higher potency that you cannot achieve by taking those supplements. Yeah. 
So what we're allowing is uh, the patient to have access in a safe way, an FDA-approved way, um, sterile fashion with nurses and doctors, me being the only doctor here, but for the right. doctor to oversee your care right. and allow you to get some high-dose vitamins. Right. Right. To do several things. I mean, we have several cocktails, uh, depending on your, your purpose, whether you're an athlete, whether you have a, a migraine headache or you just got over a virus or GI bug. Um, we have um, what's called the Myers cocktail, which is the ultimate in what they call micronutrient therapy. This is the only IV therapy cocktail called the Myers cocktail that was is even studied. The NIH um, has wonderful studies on this. It's been for decades. And um, it's, it's one of those things that has been shown to be helpful in chronic diseases, uh, asthma, allergies, rheumatoid wow. arthritis, fibromyalgia, um, all kinds of things uh, that this thing has been published to, to assist. And so then came this boom of, you know, the social elites, uh, you know, singers and performers backstage traveling a lot, doing these IV therapies to kind of keep them going. Right. And, you know, the rich people do it for a while and then it kind of, finally trickles down to the common folk and so then you start hearing about it and uh i looked into this a couple years ago and uh, i thought wow this is pretty interesting is it safe i wasn't sure you know uh, so it it, it put me on a path of what a business opportunity this is number one i want to make money i want to be successful of course i want the business to be successful but the biggest thing is you're offering patients an ability to improve their health and wellness Yeah. In a way that was never possible. Right. Um, I could be a, a, a kind of a trainer or a uh, you know herbal supplement or a naturopath, and I can tell you take all these supplements and they're all yeah. pills, man. They're all absorbed 20, 30 percent. You're not achieving high doses. And yeah. so for that reason, the IV therapy comes in. You get 100 percent of that vitamin in your body. So if you take a thousand of vitamin C, you're getting a thousand of vitamin C, not 200, which would be the equivalent. So we're really, and then this is expanding into a wellness category. Uh, Patients are asking about this one thing called NAD. This is a a huge thing for memory, for rejuvenation, for for the aging cell. We're not doing that yet, but it's something we're thinking about. Um, People ask about super high doses of vitamin C, like a hundred thousand, milligrams of vitamin c yeah yeah in one shot and this is something that is a is is supposed cancer treatment that at that high of a dose it converts into a hydrogen peroxide and kills uh cancer cells with leaving healthy cells alone and there's actually some good studies on this i don't offer that quite yet here because my role in my philosophy is i want to make sure i'm doing things safe yeah. And I'm going to go slow and work my way up to comfort based on the data and research and, and, and my colleagues and peers that are out here doing this stuff. Let's back up and, and talk about the NAD. You know, I'm a big and anti-aging. You know, you've been helping me. With that. You know, I'm big in that. Yeah. yeah. So what, what is, you don't offer that just yet. We don't offer it just yet. I, I have to say I'm not real savvy on it either. Okay. Um, but this is something that I'm starting to get phone calls asking about. Okay. Um, it's a it's a compound in our body that um, is found to be depleted um, in the aging process. Um, it helps with metabolism, yeah, I heard cell about structure, it skin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, people do it. And it's something, by the way, that takes like four to six hours yeah. to get. It's, it's a I, heard it's pain, I heard it's painful. 
Um, I don't know if it's painful or not. If it is, it would be maybe in the arm if it goes too fast, partly why you, maybe you, you drip it a little slower. Yeah. Um, but um, it is something up and coming. And, you know, some of these guys who have been doing the IV therapy for a number of years on the cutting edge, man, um, it's one of those things that I'm not one to just jump on that bandwagon and start offering right. things that right. I'm not 100% certain they're safe. Yeah. I mean, I feel that it's safe and I, I and my colleagues say that it's safe, but I have to go through that process of right. taking courses, learning of about course. it, how do you do it? And that's the way I approach things. Um, but it is something that, you know, this anti-aging, you know, we're in that category, man. Listen, I'm 45. I'm and, 52, um, yeah, yeah. You know, <clears throat> Yeah. You start to feel it. You start to see the skin change and the face yeah. something in and the hairline recedes. And I saw a line on my face the other day and I was like, <laughs> you know, what is that? You know, you know? what is that? Is what that is a that? wrinkle? Yeah. Uh, is that a wrinkle? But, um, you know, these are things that, you know, we can't completely reverse things, but right, we can right. slow down the process, you know. Um, you know, in, in patients with dementia or Parkinson's disease, you know, their glutathione right. levels are, are low. And so we see giving them glutathione um, is something that has been shown to be helpful. Um, yeah. You can find some data for that. Yeah. Um, maybe not robust studies in the New England Journal of Medicine, but, you know, these alternative medicine practices are really uh, trying this stuff out yeah. and finding people find positive results. So yeah. I'm offering access to that stuff in a safe way. Um, and as we all learn about this and the benefits, we can continue to increase what we offer uh, and tailor it and tailor it and tailor it to each individual um, to customize for you, maybe even doing robust lab testing and uh, getting this all checked out. Testosterone and hormone therapies are another area. How do they, um, fi- how do they uh, find you, man, at Revive? Give us the address. Give us the phone number. There's some listeners I know, man, that just want to jump on it and, and just try it. I'm telling you guys, you feel the difference. I feel the difference. Those first couple weeks when everything was on quarantine or a lockdown and you were figuring some stuff out, I was freaking your phone like, yo, man, you were what's hurting. going on? You were hurting. Yeah, can you get a nurse to come out? Yeah, um, yeah man, listen, we're, <laughs> we're located in Mantua. We're across from the Mantua Target on um, – on um, Woodbury Glassbar Road. We're right off of the exit on Route 55. Um, we're at 660 Woodbury Glassbar Road in Timberline Shopping Center. Okay. Um, it's in technically yeah. Sewell. Yeah. And uh, but it's Mantua. And uh, our number is 856-485-0070. That's yeah. 856-485-0070. And our website is reviveivhydration.com. And on Instagram and Facebook, we're IV Revive. And they are and, 20 um, minutes from everywhere. If you're in Philly, it's 20 yeah. minutes. If you're in Atlantic City, it's 25 minutes. But they're 25 to 20 minutes from everybody. So if you're in the yeah. Philadelphia, New Jersey area, Delaware Valley, which we call it, um, uh, and if some of my, my global listeners, whenever you're in the area, please check out Revive Hydration. Yeah, man, appreciate it. Man, thanks for and your time, And we can travel around, man. No yeah, problem. you do. You do home visits, too. I forgot about that. Well, we do home visits. We'll go to Atlantic City. We'll go to the shores. Now things have been shut down, so yeah. that's a little tough. But that's our that's our main target uh, area. As far you're going to miss that hangover crowd, man. That's okay. You know, I'm gonna tell you what. In the beginning, we thought the hangover thing was going to be fun and hip, and but I'll tell you what. We get a few of those a week, but we mostly get wellness <laughs> athletes and wellness, yeah. man. It's, it's yeah. been great. So I'm learning a lot. 
this is where, you know, it's keeping me hungry. And good, I'm, good. I'm getting the kids involved with some stuff with the business and my wife. And yeah, it's good to yeah. see the family. It's, you know, it's a family run business, man. But yeah. it's nice to, to get, get the kids educated on what's yeah. the business, where's yeah. daddy at, what's yeah. the IV thing. So it's been awesome, man. It's been a great well, Dr. Trip. Dr. Kevin, man, you, you are that guy, man. And I, I appreciate you coming on and being part of the show, man. And, and, Keep doing what you're doing. And um, thank you for your time tonight, man. You blessed yeah. us, man. You really did. You really did. Guys, listen, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the Ralph Briggs Jr. Show. Thanks for tuning in on whatever. If you're on Spotify, thank you. If you've been watching us on YouTube Live, thank you. Check us out on www.dbam.com every Wednesday. Rock is on for a few minutes with us, and we have a great time. And um, uh, check out Revive Hydration. Rock, thanks for checking us out, man. Thanks for being a part of the show. I'll talk to you. Thanks, Rock. Appreciate you guys, man. I'll see you.